Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. And welcome to the Catholic Cafe. Welcome, welcome. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting here with my co-host, Tom Dorian. Tom, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing just fine. Tom, we got, a, we got a, a topic today that you're not going to believe. I probably would believe anything that would come out of your mouth. <laughs> and that's a good thing. That is a good thing. I, For, I don't know. Yeah, it is. I don't know. Today we're talking about something. We're going to remind you of your college days. We're talking about <laughs> the existence of evil. <laughs> I'm kidding. But honestly and seriously, we do need to move to this uh, concept of the existence of evil. This is something that has troubled all of mankind for some quite some time. I came across several interesting quotes. There was a prominent Protestant theologian that wrote that the most serious challenge to theism, religion, belief in God, was, is, and will continue to be the problem of evil. Uh, Another theologian believes that it's likely the case that no charge has been made with a greater frequency or with more telling force against theism than the complication of the existence of evil. And another theologian said that the obstacle of evil and suffering in the world is evidence for the atheist. I mean, this is a serious topic, and mm-hmm. people wonder, how can evil exist in the world if God is omnipotent right. and God why would is God good? God allow it in? Or why would God make it? Right. Why would God create evil? Mm-hmm. And that's what we need to talk about today. What does the Catholic Church teach about the existence of evil? And to help us along in this this topic, we knew this topic was kind of over our heads, Tom. So we we went to the college. We brought in level. The big guns. That's right. We so we brought in someone who's actually studying this at Christian Brothers University. Excellent. And this is one of his uh, favorite topics. We have uh, Anthony Marinese with right. us today. Anthony, welcome to the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Thank you all for having me on. Do you want some coffee or something? You, you, I, I would. I'd like a cup. And y'all still serve the Dorian? Y'all still serve <laughs> that? The, the, yes, the Dorian sandwich. We'll have one of those brought up always. before Always. That's Wonderful. always available. Well, coffee Anthony, and a bologna sandwich. Anthony, mm-hmm. let's, let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about this problem of evil. Let's, first of all, let's define the problem. What is, what is the problem with evil? Well, the, the problem stems from not necessarily evil in itself, but the human conception of the attributes of God. As Christian believers, Catholic believers, we believe that God is omnipotent or all-powerful, omniscient or all-wise, as well as omnibenevolent or all-loving. And these conceptions that human beings form in their minds kind of give us this notion of what we expect God to be, how we expect God to act. And those are the things that lead to the problematic character of evil. We set, as human beings, it's kind of bold of us, we set an expectation for God. We well, we set, don't really have anything else to do. I mean, we're sitting around here on this planet, you know, in existence, and we're humans. We are what we are, and so we sit around and think, right? We ponder. That's right. And so we have to define things. We end up doing it in our terms, and that gets us into a lot of trouble, doesn't it? That's right, because our knowledge is so finite against God's absolute and infinite knowledge. So the problem there you're saying is that if God is all-loving, if God is all-powerful and he created everything uh, and he knows everything, how does evil exist? Why wouldn't he have stamped out evil a long time ago? Or why did he create evil? That's the things that we have to wrestle with, right? Well, that's right. Of course, um, the saints have everywhere told us, um, and obviously God's nature as that of love tells us that evil is not 
created by God. Evil is the absence of goodness itself. I do remember learning in, now I'm going back to high school days, um, not as a joke about evil, Tom, but I, I do remember going it's back to... It's funny you're going back to high school. Y'all yeah. were the devils, weren't you? Yeah, we were the red devils. Yeah. Yeah, well, I've, I've grown past that. But in our literary classes, I learned that Samuel Clemens, Mark Twain, mm-hmm. left the concept of Christianity behind because he had a huge problem with the existence of evil. How can you say it's a good God when he allows babies to die, when he allows people to be sick, when he allows hurricanes, when he allows uh, tragedy? How can you believe in a God? And that was his problem. And so that problem has never gone anywhere, has it? It is still very much alive. Well, you started to talk a little bit about the creation of evil. Let's talk about that aspect first. Was evil created? Evil, in our understanding, was not necessarily created. It came into being as a result of choices. Um, We associate evil, obviously, intrinsic evil, with being party to Satan. And if we go back to that story as Satan being one of the former good angels, uh, Lucifer, um, and then believing that he could be equal to the power of God, losing his footing in heaven and then God essentially committing him to you know this eternity um, known now as hell uh, we understand that this this evil grew out of this kind of perversion of goodness grew out of free will which is one of our greatest gifts that God so gives us. rather than evil being created it's really a product that's right and again we, we want to clarify here and we were this is sort of the first big point we're making is that the Catholic Church, believes and teaches that God does not create evil. He does not make evil. He does not make evil for the purpose of punishment or uh, retribution. Now, he may allow evil, but we want to understand that, that God doesn't create evil. In other words, he is all good, and if, he's, if he is all good, nothing bad can come out of him, correct? This is right. Mm-hmm. Right. So we have to assume that... Uh, by that definition, of course, this is a definition that we've put on him uh, that we can glean from his revelation to us that if he is all good, then nothing bad can come out of him. So we have to look at evil now from a different perspective. Like, where did it come from? And you're sort of saying that evil came from that exercise of free will or that uh, those choices that were made many, many, many moons ago. Uh, we read in Genesis with uh, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. That's right. Uh, that from that point of imperfection, all bad things start happening. That's right. The domino theory. That's right. Not not from God, but rather from our own choosing, our own choosing to be disobedient, to be obstinate, and to assure ourselves that we are going to direct the course of our lives rather than having God perhaps through the intercession or through the divine inspiration that comes from the Holy Spirit direct our lives. We are going to make our own choices. When we look back, and there have been many documents written uh, in fact, one of the great documents written on this particular topic is the document that John Paul II wrote, uh, Salvifici Dolores. On the Christian meaning of human suffering. That's right. And so, in a nutshell, what was he saying there? Well, the Holy Father lays out in a very clear manner why suffering is such an integral part of the Christian life. St. Augustine reminds us over and over again in his writings that God had one son on earth without sin, but none without suffering. So if even Jesus Christ, in his absolute goodness and infinite power, must suffer, then 
also certainly we, finite human beings, also must go through the same sufferings. Now, let's go on to the next sort of point. If God doesn't create evil, can God use evil? I mean, can we know in Romans it talks about um, all things working together for the good. And all things would include, I'm assuming, some bad things. Absolutely. Out of bad things... God can make good things happen. Let's God, talk about that. A God bit. can and does absolutely use evil um, for good things. In fact, um, the book of Genesis uh, reminds us um, there, there's one point uh, where it says, what you intended as evil against me, God has used for good. And the very notion that evil exists in this world is not as a result of God's creation, but it wouldn't exist if God didn't permit it. God is absolutely powerful in all of the realms, spiritual as well as this earthly world. Evil cannot exist unless God says, okay, I give you permission to act. And then that raises the question of, well, why would he do that if he loves us so much? That's right. I mean, instantly, I know we have listeners right now saying, if you hearken back to the great disasters of recent times, Hurricane Katrina comes to mind immediately, and you can go down a litany of horrific uh, examples of tragedy in this world. All of those things. Now, there are many people that think those were punishments, that those were things that either God caused to happen or intended to happen. And what you're saying, and I think what the church is teaching, is that he allowed them to happen. That's right. And there's a subtle difference there, but at the same time, how do we, uh, as Catholics, how do we view those na- terrible natural disasters? Well, for example, like you said, Hurricane Katrina comes to mind, uh, the southeastern Asia tsunamis. God uses these um, horrific events really as a chance to subject our faith to the test. Um, it says everywhere in Scripture, it says, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. But it says nowhere that God cannot test us. And through these tests, through these catastrophes, through these um, cancer comes to mind as, as another type of um, evil to so many people. When we're faced with these things, we have to go through some sort of character building. It's either going to build us up or it's going to tear us down. And the hope is that through overcoming these things, our character will be built up and our faith will remain intact and strengthened in some way. Um, in the first letter of St. Peter, the, the verse is, we often must go through tests to assure that our faith is more precious than gold, tested in fire. And certainly in these natural disasters, these hurricanes, cancers, tsunamis, these horrible catastrophes, God is testing us. God is assuring that our faith is worthy of eternal paradise. Yeah, what a wonderful, wise old person from the hills once said, what don't kill you just makes you stronger. (laughs) (laughs) All right, with that note, we're going to come back in just a minute. Before we do, I do want to remind everyone that we have a wonderful website, www.thecatholiccafe.com, and we have some wonderful resources there for you, some links to other wonderful Catholic adventures on the web ready to be taken. Uh, You can also download this particular show. You can listen to this show. Anthony, you were telling me you uh, do the podcasting feature. You like that podcasting? The podcasting is wonderful. If I miss a show on Sunday mornings because I'm teaching PRE, then I'm sure I'll catch it on the iPod later at night. That's wonderful. Uh, And so also I'd love to hear from you. I'd love you to email me at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And so with that, don't bring any more evil on yourself. 
by touching that dial. <laughs> I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Isabel Flores de Oliva was born to a large family in Lima, Peru in 1586. Even as a child, her holiness was apparent. It is said that a servant of the household once saw her face transformed into the likeness of a rose, hence her nickname, Rosa. At her confirmation at age 11, she took the name Rose. St. Rose knew at a very young age that God was calling her. Even as a teenager, she devoted herself to prayer and gave up many of the comforts of life in order to unite herself more fully to the suffering of Christ. Having read a biography of St. Catherine of Siena, she began to take her life of self-denial more and more seriously, even to the objections of her parents and friends. She first fasted three times a week, then offered a daily fast. This led her to abstain from meat and perpetuity. When she began to be admired for her beauty and devotion, she cut off her hair. If ever she doubted her path of suffering and self-denial, she was encouraged by visions, revelations, visitations, and comforting voices. She received the Eucharist daily, deriving from the Blessed Sacrament the grace and consolation to carry on. At the age of 20, St. Rose took a vow of virginity and joined the Dominicans. With permission of her order, she moved into a small grotto built in her parents' garden and lived there in a spirit of prayer and penance. While St. Rose spent much time in prayer, she still found time for acts of charity. She sought out the sick, the poor, and the forgotten in her community and brought them to her home to care for them. St. Rose never lost sight of the power and effectiveness of self-denial when it was offered up to God. Her entire life was a testament to the total, self-giving love demonstrated by Jesus' willingness to suffer for our sins. She wrote, Our Lord and Savior lifted up His voice and said with incomparable majesty, Let all men know that grace comes after tribulation. Let them know that without the burden of afflictions, it is impossible to reach the height of grace. Let them know that the gifts of grace increase as the struggles increase. Let men take care not to be stray and be deceived. This is the only true stairway to paradise, and without the cross, they can find no road to climb to heaven. St. Rose of Lima died in 1617 and was the first person born in the Americas to be canonized as a Catholic saint. Her feast day is August 23rd. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. I'm still Deacon Jeff. Still got Tom here with me, and we still have Anthony Maranese talking to us about the problem of evil. Now, Tom, as you've done so many times before... <laughs> I'm sorry. You had a great question during the break. I'm sorry. Well, here... We were all eating donuts, and you came up with this wonderful... I think donuts stimulate your mind. That must be it. Well, tell us that question. question is, it, earlier you were mentioning that you, you just brought up suffering and evil at the same time. Right. Why do people equate the two together? In the course of my studies, and not only my studies, but my own life, suffering often involves pain, and that is on so many different levels. At almost any time, 
um, even if you're going through something physical, like a cancer or something like that, that's going to cause emotional, spiritual, and mental suffering. All the dimensions on which suffering affects us, physical and mental, emotional, spiritual. And it's all tied back to pain. We look at these disasters. We look at these instances of evil, whether they be moral evil, the acts of human beings upon other human beings, or natural evils like these natural disasters, hurricanes, cancers, things like that. All of them somehow have some sort of aspect of pain. So people associate suffering with evil because of the pain that is usually caused as a result of these evils. Right, and the natural disaster wouldn't be evil if it didn't cause some kind of suffering or pain. Right. It's the, it's the horrendous pain and suffering of the people in the Hurricane Katrina, the suffering and pain they went through that we all see. We're not so worried about a building that fell down. Right. But we are worried about the people that right. were in that building. Right, and you know, Deacon Jeff, it's not always just the evil act itself. People, when people are involved, especially in a lot of these natural disasters and things like that, it's the people that add to the problem sometimes. Things aren't necessarily evil in themselves. A natural disaster is, it could be weather. Weather is not necessarily itself evil, but the after effects of it become evil. And we witnessed that a lot in Hurricane Katrina. When people are evacuating to the convention center, the Superdome, places like that down in New Orleans, that's when this kind of perversion of free will takes over and they say okay you know what this is a bad situation i can sell bottles of water for ten dollars and if the people don't have the money they're going to die of thirst i can take advantage of you know these people over here and steal from them and then these things just further add to the so problem. The, the natural disaster it tends to exacerbate the, the moral evil that would follow that's exactly right yeah that's a very sad situation obviously now uh when tom was asking that question about suffering and evil uh, that does remind me that, that you have a particular stake in all of this. That's Tell right. us a little bit about your particular situation and, and your suffering and how that has changed or not changed your view of evil in the world. That's right. Well, uh, when I was five years old, um, I played for uh, played soccer, little league soccer for a uh, local Catholic school here in Memphis, Holy Rosary. Uh, my years of playing soccer, or my actually few months of playing soccer, revealed a greater medical problem uh, because I would get tired very quickly. Um, I was diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukemia and treated at the world-renowned St. Jude Children's Research Hospital here in Memphis. Now, you make that sound all matter-of-fact, <laughs> but it wasn't. <laughs> no. Well, uh, There, there was some so suffering much. involved. There, there. There, was, there was a great deal. There was a great deal. Um, and most of my suffering uh, obviously was physical physical um intense pains and things like that from cancer treatments and not just the treatments themselves but the effect that the illness actually takes on you but you know sometimes even worse than the physical sufferings were um the sufferings that my family and friends had to endure it wasn't always just about me i mean every sleepless night that i had because of pain they were having because of anxiety because of worry and because of utter fear yeah so often we we think about suffering from a personal perspective and not to minimize the agony that you went through as a child as a five-year-old that is horrific but at the same time being members of the body of christ when one suffers we all suffer together your suffering is shared by so many others especially those in your family that's right that's right and this absolutely without a doubt has impacted my faith in for me a positive way uh, I would absolutely not be the person of faith I am today. I wouldn't have the interest um, in theology and spirituality that I do now if this hadn't happened. Because I understood 
and still understand that even in the face of all these sufferings, God is there. We're not suffering alone. God is suffering with us. We can take those sufferings and we put them on the cross with Christ himself. Right. And so you are able to, in some way, form or fashion, to identify more readily with what Jesus did for us in giving his all for us. You are able to sort of identify with that and let him have that suffering right back. Your suffering, you are offering that to him. And as, at a tender age of, you know, five, six, seven, or whatever, as you were going through this process, that how did how did you get to that point? How did you figure all that stuff out, or was it later? I absolutely think it started early. Um, in my early years, uh, when my parents worked early, I would always stay with uh, my grandparents on my mother's side. Uh, very, very deeply spiritual. I, I would always tell my family um, if my Mamaw, my grandmother, had never met my papaw, my grandfather. She would have become a sister of Charity of Nazareth or something like that. She's very deeply spiritual um, and raised me to believe the same things. So when all these things started happening, um, I would have my little picture Bible in there in the hospital when I was really little. And um, even though it was often kind of sad, my favorite story to read was always the crucifixion because I was like, you know what? I'm going through all of this pain, but, you know, Jesus did it too. If Jesus went through all this pain, you know, and I saw what the end of his story was, which was not his suffering and death, then, you know, this can't be so bad for me. So you were able wow. to take that, you were able to take those moments and you were able to offer them to Jesus. And then in the way that you related to us in First Peter, talking about fire tried gold, you were that sort of living fire tried gold you were you were polishing yourself perfecting yourself in that process uh i I would like to think so and i would certainly hope so um often suffering leads us to kind of a self-discovery of our own you know suffering gives us a chance to chip away the former things about ourselves often a lot of people in suffering um it's, it's very cliche but often in the moments of suffering people start the bargaining with god they'll say if you bring me through this i swear i will do this and then sometimes that works. Sometimes they make it through it, and they're changed forever because they remember that promise that they made. So our sufferings, and obviously the evils which often cause these sufferings, give us a chance to develop our character. They give us a chance to develop our faith. And something that I work with at uh, Christian Brothers High School, the Faith Development Program, this is constantly what I, what I continue to teach the athletes and things like that, that in all moments of life, no matter how painful they are, we have a chance to make ourselves better so that one day we can actually live with Christ in a semi-deserving manner. We'll never be entirely deserving of his infinite love, but at least in a small way. That's a, a wonderful story you've told us, but I wonder if we want to now sort of open it up just a little bit and talk about what about those moral evils? What about the choices that we make in life? Not so much how we deal with something, with how we deal with suffering, but what about those choices that we make where we might choose to do this or might choose to do that? One is good and one is evil. God might, in the eyes of many humans, been a better God if he had not created evil. So that all we had to choose was what was behind door number one, door number two, or door number three. And if they were all good, hey, we didn't lose anything. But now we make these choices and there can be something bad behind door number two. Why is that so important when it comes to free will in terms of how we view love? This all goes back, like you said, to this notion of free will. And free will is only free if we have those choices for either good or for evil. 
if God created us all and made every choice we had only option one, good, option two, good, option three, good, then there's no there's real no freedom. Right. There's no choice anymore. There's no freedom there. Yeah. How could you love somebody or say you love somebody when you have no choice but to love them? Right. Because love is entirely a matter of the will. It's entirely freely given and only maintains its status as a divine element and only maintains its its place in in divinity as being the nature of god if it's freely given jesus's sacrifice on the cross for us is freely given and so the love that we give to other people also has to be made in that very same image as we're made in god's image it has to be freely given and that's truly the measure of love you can talk about all kinds of different love but really the value in love is that love which is given freely and not obligatory that's right yeah absolutely the one last thing I want to ask you is, just in a nutshell, what is the Catholic perspective, again, on evil? Does God use evil to make good things happen? Does he allow evil? Again, I know there are people still listening saying, I think maybe I'm not sure that I'm really buying all this stuff. What's What do we tell them? All that is necessary, really, to answer that question is to look at a crucifix. When we see Jesus hanging on the cross, we realize and we understand that God's presence amidst evil is one that he personally went through. It's a journey that he experienced. As Jesus hung there on the cross, suffering through the worst of human choices and also the worst of human sufferings, we understand that God personally was affected by the things that we we did, things that we have done today, did in the past, and will do in the future. God was personally affected. He took all of those into himself and just completely destroyed the power that they have over us. Evil may exist in the world, but as the book of Revelation reminds us, there's going to be a day where it won't be allowed to exist anymore. And all of this is because of the power of love, which is to say God, who is love in the first place. And we pray that we're all going to be there together. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much, Anthony, for this wonderful opportunity. Anthony Maranese, uh, we thank you for joining us here in the luxurious corner booth at the Catholic Cafe. Thank you all. Thank Tom, you, you know... We should rate this program. We should, always. What are we going to rate this program? You know, on a scale of 0 to 14.5, we're going to give it a 14.5. I knew that was coming. Wow. 14.5. He's probably the first guest we've had that's 14.5. You are. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, Very thank good. You. All right. Thank you again, Anthony. Thank you, Tom. <laughs> Let's close in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Heavenly Father, You are the source of all that is good and all that is holy, and you fervently desire that we should not fall into the clutches of the evil one. Help us to choose good over evil, that we might come to live with you in eternity forever. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table.